You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my deputy editor, John Dixon, the proud owner of a trailer that is going to go up and down <laughs> this country. Probably feels good to get all that stuff done, John. Well, to start with, we're just going to be traveling locally till we get okay. used to it. So to my know. house, forget about the right. States, right. The well, multiple we're we're going to be in Lee's summit this weekend. We're taking right. a big, a big trip. So <laughs> that is a lengthy excursion, if you will. I want to, before we get into the Arrowhead Pride Editor show, and we got a good show for you ahead. I said that we would be reading reviews to encourage you guys to get on iTunes and please rate us five stars. Our first review is only rated three stars. And <laughs> It is from Big JC58. How does anyone listen to show? BK is good, but show is AP Skip Bayless. I'm not going to disagree with you, but if you want to go back and make it five stars instead, BK will take care of keeping show in line. From Clankster on Wednesday, I really love the changes you all have made. No disrespect to any of the prior guys. I love them too. I really love that you brought Nasty and BK back. A lot of show comments. Uh, Pete just needs to parachute in and get show all flustered. Five stars on that. Maybe we can make that happen on one of these Friday shows. Uh, and then from Matt V05, uh, great additions. I've got a Therese sized hole in my chief's heart. And it appears BK and show might help a little bit. Love the new additions, especially that show. Keep up the good work, guys. And I think, really speaking for all of us, when we all feel similarly when it comes to Therese, we miss him every Absolutely. day. Uh, yeah. These guys that are on our Friday show both happened to be co-hosts with him on 610 Sports Radio when he was doing the Therese Paler show. They moved on. Uh, Jay Binkley took over that show uh, before Therese unfortunately passed. And uh, we miss him in the Chiefs community, the NFL community every day. And I, I like to think that those guys, especially on Friday, but really all of us try to do it as good as Therese would have liked to do it. And, and we know that he did it the best. All right. On today's Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we'll get into the news of your Kansas City Chiefs as we enter the third week of voluntary OTAs. We'll get into the best quotes that we thought we heard from last week's media availability with some of the assistant coaches, Patrick Baums and Andy Reid. And we'll finally pick our players to watch with a mandatory minicamp coming up next week, as well as training camp to follow. So just some players that John and I are really interested in seeing in person, hopefully, if we can get rid of this dang coronavirus and every, everyone that's scared of it in the NFL, hopefully at training camp, we'll get uh, some eyes on these guys. And, and so we're going to name offense and defensive players that we are interested in seeing the most. But as promised, John, let's get into the news. And this is some bad news for the Kansas City Chiefs and especially some Chiefs fans who really wanted to see Bashad Breland back. Bashad Breland 
signed with the Minnesota Vikings since the last time we talked. It was on Friday. He announced this in two tweets on his Twitter account by himself. I'll read them. This was a tough decision when his heart was sold on Casey and the brotherhood that he's made over the past two years. When one door closes, another is always open. It's been my life story, but I will always love the Kansas City Chiefs organization. I want to thank the Hunt family, Coach Reed, Coach Spags, Coach Merritt, and my dog, Coach Madison. The love was real. And this is a farewell, but not a breakup to my brothers and the city itself for the memories won't be forgotten. And the love will continue from this day forth. Big love, Breezy. So Breezy ends up going to the Minnesota Vikings. And what really is interesting about him eventually picking the Minnesota Vikings is the Chiefs traded for a cornerback from the Vikings back on May 13th, right here on this Arrowhead Pride podcast network. We talked to Arif Hassan, who writes for the Athletic Minnesota, about the acquisition of Mike Hughes and what he was able to do in Minnesota. I, I've been a bit more optimistic about him than I think a lot of people. And I think that um, his rookie year showing, which was just four games, I thought was really spectacular. I thought that um, was his second or third year. Um, he had a couple of really great games. Um, but uh, the aggregate showing, if you take a look at, you know, yards allowed per snap and coverage or yep. PFF grade or, you know, ball hawk rate or any other kind of advanced statistic you want to use to evaluate cornerbacks or even, you know, not advanced statistics, just like pass deflections or whatever. Um, I, it, the aggregate showing is not good. Um, he got torched by Dallas. It wasn't even necessarily just Amari Cooper. Um, and, and he had a couple of other bad games on his resume. And I thought it was pretty telling that the Vikings didn't go to him uh, to, to start the season this year, uh, or I should say last year. Um, and as they kind of moved down the well, you know, before injuries caught up with him, you know, they were pretty comfortable like playing like Chris Boyd, a seventh round pick, right? So there you go. That's Arif Hassan. If you want to go back and listen to that full podcast, we reacted pretty much live. John, you were a part of that podcast too. Again, that was back on May 13th, as we talked about Hughes, the Chiefs and Vikings exchanging late round picks. But Bashad Breeland goes to the Vikings on a one-year contract reportedly worth around $4 million. John, I was out on Friday, so you were all over this. What was your reaction to Breeland going to the Vikings? Well, uh, you know, I was really surprised by how many Chiefs fans uh, were disappointed, you know, uh, during the years, the two years that Breland played here. Um, you know, a lot of fans looked at him as a, kind of an average guy. And uh, absence always makes the heart grow fonder, I guess. Um, and people were also responding positively to his farewell message, which was very nicely done. And um I think a lot of people thought um, as a means of being confident about the Chiefs secondary this season that the Chiefs would ultimately re-sign Breland, and they were talking about it. But, you know, this guy has been looking for a good uh, NFL deal for, what, three years now? Right. And this is the closest he's come to one, and it's hard to, it's hard to fault the man for – uh, getting an opportunity to get paid some real NFL money. So um, I, I understand where he's coming from on this thing. And I understand the the conflict that he had in his heart about it, because, um, you know, from all reports, he fit right into the locker room and was a popular player. You know, you hear Spags talk about him, always refers to him as breezy. So do the other players. 
he seemed to be a popular guy. So it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, the NFL is still a business and you're going to have to figure on guys like this, making a decision like this. Yeah. I think from the first second on with Breland, when it came to this offseason, he was going to go wherever paid him the most money. And I think the chiefs had probably a figure in mind that they, where they'd be willing to spend on bringing Breland back. And the Vikings paid more and Breland made the decision. He, you know, he wants to continue to try to pursue this long-term contract. Sure. He's still pursuing it as of this season, heading now into next season. I feel like this guy is like three or four prove it contracts in a row, so to speak. And so I think, look, good luck to him. It's nice for the chiefs that this is uh, the N- NFC. So you, you won't see Breland in the AFC. I think it also says a lot about, what they think about some of their young guys in what would be a DeAndre Baker. I, I continue to go back to the comments about Baker toward the end of last year. I really tend to think that he would have been involved in the postseason had it not been for that injury week 17 where he really needed snaps before you were going to play him in a big game like that. And so they have Charvarius Ward. Sneed is a star, at least in his first year. Now we'll be going into his second year. Also probably says a lot about how they feel potentially about Rashad Fenton and the response of Juan Thornhill to his injury. I think sometimes you really aren't the same player. And we really saw Juan Thornhill start to come around last year toward the end of the season. And so you have that safety help. And I, I think the Chiefs said, all right, we're going to be all right with the crop we had. That that remains to be seen. This, I guess, could be one of these things where you might look back and say the Chiefs could really use another cornerback week four or week five. That remains to be seen. Right. Well, that's always the problem at this time of year. You're you're making a judgment based on your best information. And sometimes your best information can lead you in the wrong way. But the coaches were all very high on what they uh, saw in Baker last season in practices. He looked good when he played. And I think you're right. I think we would have seen him a lot in the postseason if we'd uh, if he hadn't been injured. And uh, I think we'd all feel a lot differently about it if we knew more about uh, Baker's potential contribution to the secondary. More on that later. Special tease yes. for you. Yeah, I, I also think, and, and this is my last thing on Breland, we'll always have the Super Bowl interception. I just yes. don't see him back in Kansas City. This is some guy that I, I just I can't see him ever coming back here, even after he does the one-year deal with the Vikings, because I, I just don't think the Chiefs will ever give him that long-term contract he's pursuing. But... By Kendall Fuller, he'll always be remembered for uh, the picks in the Super Bowl championship. All right, let's get on to our next thing. This week in things to monitor, Julio Jones over the weekend landed with the Tennessee Titans in exchange for draft picks that included a second rounder. The Chiefs were, and I quote, never truly in it. And that was according to NFL Network's Peter Schrager, who we know is well connected with the team. And this isn't that much of a surprise just given the fact of the price tag. And this is what I wrote in response to Peter Schrager's report yesterday on our website. You have these returners in McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle and a rookie now in Cornell Powell that really fits that Sammy Watkins height and weight. You got Patrick Mahomes calling him a beast during OTAs. Now they don't have pads on, so let's keep that in mind. But all four of those options... They're a combined five and change million dollars against your cap. Whereas Julio Jones, now granted, you're talking about a five time all pro, would have cost you 15 million. The Chiefs, I think, John, you have the Chiefs at about 8.1 million cap mm-hmm. space. There's other yep. reports out there that are as much as like 8.4. 
this would have been a move if they made. They would have had to do some facelifting of mm-hmm. the salary cap. And I, I think that's why they have 13 receivers in. Not to say any of these guys are going to be Julio Jones, but I think they have an ample, cheap replacement for Sammy Watkins. It's different if you don't have Tyree Hill or Travis Kelsey for me, because you know you consider Kelsey a receiver. You already have two of the top receivers in the NFL. Yeah. You're really looking for a third receiver. And so I just don't know if the juice would have been worth the squeeze when it comes to paying all that money for Julio Jones, especially at the age of 32. And then there's the long-term uh, big-picture view on this, which is that uh, the Chiefs have a long-term commitment with a very large contract to Mahomes, right. something that we're not used to having in the back of our minds all the time. And the Chiefs are just not going to go after these big-name players uh, like they did uh, up until they won a Super Bowl. Again, we're on the inside looking out rather than the outside looking in. And that's going to be in force for season after season with the Chiefs now. And we're just going to have to get used to that. Um, we're, we've had so many years where we felt like if we could just get this big free agent, you know, we could make a big splash. And that's for other teams to do now. We're already there. Speaking of big splashes, I think it's worth monitoring what's going on in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Because if you go back to his short list of teams, it was the San Francisco (laughs) 49ers, uh, which they drafted Trey Lance. Looks like they're in on Jimmy G for this year, at least for X amount of games until they say, okay, Jimmy G, we have seen enough. We're going to put Lance in there. Uh, So they're out of the mix. They're in the NFC. So I don't think the Green Bay Packers want to trade Aaron Rodgers. And then it was the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. Aaron Rodgers did not report for the start of mandatory minicamp, which the Packers are beginning this week. And so the stalemate continues. The holdout is on. And it doesn't seem like to me that Rodgers is ever going to bend here. I know you're seeing different reports. I know you're seeing Peter King make suggestions about (laughs) playing this year and then getting traded next year. I think the Packers are eventually going to have to trade Aaron Rodgers. And you saw the two teams that he wants to to go to. And we know from reports sort out of Denver that they would not be unopposed to going and get Aaron Rodgers. The last time they had a good quarterback was when they were able to acquire someone at the tail end of their career in Peyton Manning. They have the options of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. But I just think it's worth monitoring because... Even with Justin Herbert in this division, Patrick Mahomes, especially with this now uh, refortified offensive line, it's just hard to pick against the Chiefs in the division, especially also Andy Reid's success. Now, you insert Aaron Rodgers with that Denver Broncos team that already has a lot of pieces, more so for me, the Broncos than the Raiders. The division actually gets interesting, at least for the next three years. Remember, Rodgers is 37. uh, Patrick Mahomes is 25. So after that, it would be Mahomes' division again, unless you maybe factor in Herbert and his development. But just talking about right now, this year, that suddenly puts the Broncos in the mix because of, I think, the offensive pieces and the defense that they have built uh, there in Denver. So again, not, not something to necessarily worry about, but I think if you're in Kansas City, worth monitoring that Aaron Rodgers situation. Right. Well, and, you know, why should we be surprised that the Broncos would be going after a yeah. player like Rodgers? I mean, that's really the only way they've been able to find success there uh, over the last, day, well, since John Elway. You mean Paxton Lentz and Trevor Simeon haven't been doing it for you, John? Yeah, no, they, they really haven't. And uh, um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't find this surprising. Um, and I was amused by Peter King's proposal 
that uh, that they make up for a season and then do this next season. Um, I, I thought it, I mean, I love Peter King. He's been around forever. And I think some of that was him thinking, well, maybe they'll listen to me, <laughs> but it's not clear to me that they will. Um, but uh, I think also Peter King leans organization just because he's been yeah. around so long and yeah. the ownership never changes and the ownership right. picks for presidents and GMs will maybe talk to Peter before, for example, an agent might. Right. And so I, I just wonder how much is that like, let me try to provide my friends in green Bay and out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it is going to be something to monitor. Um, but we're still a long way from that happening. Um, yeah. And uh, so, but you never know. You never know. They might pull the trigger in, in Las Vegas. And you know. don't forget too, like even before, all this stuff happened with Deshaun Watson and the off the field stuff in Houston, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. But Denver was connected with Deshaun Watson originally mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So they're looking for a quarterback. They understand what we understand. They're playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year. If they're going to make the playoffs when it comes to winning the division, they got to get a better quarterback than the options they have in house right now. Yeah. All right. This week in PFF rankings, John, you've been <laughs> on the PFF ranking beat. The Chief placed two safeties to the PFF top 32. Uh, The Chiefs' offensive line is within the top 10, and the Chiefs have the best head coach in the NFL. Which PFF ranking of those three stands out to you the most, John? Hmm. Well, the one I found most interesting was the offensive line because uh, we really don't know who the offensive line is going to be. Um, And I think they were making that pick based on uh, all of the different options that are available to the Chiefs. And uh, and I think that says something. And, and the, the concluding paragraph of, of their review of the Chiefs pointed this out, that um, they've got some high upside players uh, who can serve as starters and top quality depth um, available to them this season. So uh, I think that's the basis of it, is that this is not only an offensive line that could play well, but could handle a number of injuries. And as we saw last year, that's a very key concept in this. Yeah. So uh, to me, it was interesting that they would, uh, you know, make a top 10 ranking of an offensive line that's really kind of unknown at this point. Yeah, I think it's a lot of pieces that PFF has graded well. But mm-hmm. the, the interesting thing about an offensive line, and this is the classic argument between analytics and film is that so much of the success of an offensive line depends upon how they play with each other. Now the, the chiefs have the off season to figure this out. And I, I think training camp with the pads on will be very, very important. We have a quote from Andy heck that we're going to play for you in the next segment. That'll give you confidence, but man, a good sign because that was a disaster and the Super Bowl, which we well know. And for anyone and any kind of analysis to be putting them among the top 10 after what we saw in the Super Bowl is just, Mm -hmm. I think, a credit to the front office. I also think it was cool that Andy Reid is finally, I think, starting to get the respect he deserves just because he's finally clinched the Super Bowl. Used to see Andy Reid further down on the list because he had not won a championship. I think people are really starting to notice, okay, three AFC title games in a row. Now two Super Bowls in a in a row with a really good chance to go back 
And so Andy Reid gets the best head coach nod from PFF. Yeah, um, you know, it's hardly been a secret in a couple of cities in America, Philadelphia and Kansas City, that Andy Reid is a truly great head coach. But there's always that narrative, you know, that unless you've won a championship, uh, you can't be in that conversation. But I think what Reid has accomplished by uh, going to the triple conference championship game with two different teams, that's an extraordinary achievement, I think. Um, And, you know, whether he will be thought of as the best of all time, you know, those arguments will go on forever. uh, And people will use different criteria to make them. But he's certainly going to be in that conversation, I think. And uh, I think people are finally getting tuned into that across the country because of his Super Bowl championship. Yeah, and just thinking about the eras in Kansas City prior to Reed, the fact that he's been here since 2013, and we're in 2021 now, and they missed the playoffs one year. It's really hard to make the playoffs in the league. And just being able to do that and just how little the Chiefs were able to do that before he got here, it's a credit to him. I expect more Super Bowl trips. We'll see if the Chiefs can get over or re-over the hump now and get that championship once again. Last Note from the news this week, 11 Chiefs reported absent at last Thursday's OTAs. A reminder that this is still voluntary. Next week is mandatory, so it gets more interesting next week when it comes to injuries. The Chiefs don't have to report injuries right now, which Andy Reid was very happy to mention in his press conference the other day. Not a big injury, man. The guys that Sam McDowell, a friend of our site, uh, the Kansas City Star does a great job. He did not see Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Daryl Williams, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Martinez Rankin, Jaron Reed, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Taco Charlton, Mike Hughes, Traverius Ward, and Armani Watts. Also worth noting, McDowell had tweeted out that Will Parks, an unknown name, an obscure name to Kansas Cityans probably right now, he had a really nice day at camp with two interceptions on Thursday. Reporters right now that are credentialed, there's special credentials going on. That's why I'm not out there because of the coronavirus. Uh, have have been able to be out there once a week. So you're only seeing one look. So we don't know which of these players were there earlier in the week and weren't there for one reason or another on Thursday. And who knows who performed well the first two days of the week. That's just the way uh, things mm-hmm. are right now. We only know what we know. A mini camp continues beginning today, going into Friday. Then there's mandatory mini camp for the Chiefs next week from Tuesday to Thursday. Then we get our our big break. So we're only getting bits and pieces, but worth noting them as we get them. Right, John? Right. And you know, the thing that's interesting to me about this is it's always a a question of how it's reported. You know, that first day of voluntary OTAs, we had the report that 81 players were present. Right. And the math on that is very clear. It's 90%. Okay. And yet when you, you know, two weeks later, the report is 11 players absent. It sounds like a big deal, but it's only two players different from that really good report that we had on the first day of OTAs. So um, the Chiefs are still looking really good. There's a lot of teams that have much lower reporting rates than the Chiefs do based Including on the, the Cleveland Browns, who they yeah, play week right, one. And that right. became a big story in right. Cleveland uh, this or last week, I should say. Yeah because the Chiefs were reporting 81 and higher, and you had the Browns coming at like 55, and they're playing the 
back-to-back AFC champs in week one. One last note to talk to you about this week is the Chiefs release linebacker Kamali Correa. This was, I think, a hope to either be a linebacker or an edge. We were looking at him as an edge guy uh, going into training camp just because we just figured that's where the need would be. But he was cut by the Chiefs without a real replacement. Sometimes you will make it 89 as far as the roster goes to bring somebody in, but it just seemed like this might have been an out of shape, not a fit type deal where he got on the field and Steve Spagnuolo and Brett Veach got together and said, ah, I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think we need this guy for whatever reason here in Kansas City. Yeah, and it's kind of a, an odd uh, skill set for the guy. I mean, he they, he's played both linebacker and um, and defensive end since he came into the NFL, and it was really hard to tell what the Chiefs were thinking about. And one of those tween- see, yeah, it was yeah. one of those tweeners where yeah. undersized for defensive line a mm-hmm. little bit, or you know oversized or just not a necessarily a fit for right. linebacker. And so right. I think they, the chief just said, all right, well, we want to have well, other guys that are going to get reps. I think they may have seen this. We see this sometimes with the chiefs and probably with other NFL teams. If you're watching them very closely, that they'll get a guy on the roster that they say, well, you know, this guy's a, could be in the defensive end rotation, but we could also use him as a linebacker. They see this as someone who could, um, you know, give some additional value for the single roster spot. And maybe that's what they were thinking. But then when they had him in their hands, to plug him in, right. yeah, it's like, well, this guy isn't really going to help us that much in either position. So let's let him go. So it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to tell what they're thinking all the time, but all we know for sure is he's gone. Those are your news and notes for the week of June 8th. That was when we come back, we will get into the most important quotes from last week's media availability. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. It is the third week of voluntary OTAs as we continue this Chiefs offseason. Last Thursday, we had our second media availability of voluntary OTAs, and we had the opportunity to talk to some of the coordinators. Patrick Mahomes was at the podium because he wasn't the first week. Andy Reid was at the podium. Uh, Andy Heck, the offensive line coach. Uh, Ken, Ken Flajol also the new outside linebackers coach was at the podium. And as of last week, and it's died down quite a bit, I think because of these quotes, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were asked about the prospect of Mahomes going 20 and oh. Well, I heard the whole, I heard, I saw the whole thing, but just by chance, I normally don't see those things, but I, I did see that one. Um, and they, he was asked, you know, what would, well, it would be a great challenge for him and, you know, to, to work for. And so, you know, 20 and 0 made sense, but I mean, it's, uh, uh, he wasn't boasting about it. <laughs> that's not what he was doing, but he, he just said, that's, uh, that'd be a great challenge, which it would be. I mean, we've got a, you know, we've got a pretty stiff schedule and, uh, some great competition that we're going to play against. So, 
um, I, I felt like he was really saying, listen, we all need to get busy and, and work our tail off uh, because of that. So I don't think there was really a, a reaction at all. I mean, if you're in this league, you want to win every single time you're on the football field. Uh, and I think people get a whole hype up about saying 20 and 0 because you have to take it one week at a time. But at the end of the day, you you want to continue to win every single week. I'm not uh, going into the season hoping I lose any games. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just part of the part of the gig, it's part of playing quarterback in the NFL. Um, I know I'm gonna have to answer questions either way, so let's have, let's answer a question about us winning football games. I'll think about that. John, I haven't seen this much backing up since the electric slide at the last wedding. I went to. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. People will get themselves worked up about this thing, and and someone even talking about a perfect season, a twenty and zero season in the current seventeen game regular season format. Uh, is bound to get people worked up, but I I think both Reed and Mahomes uh, said it correctly. This was the the way the question was phrased. What else is he going to say? I mean, you, how would we feel if Patrick Mahomes says, "Well, you know, I'm hoping to get to 11 and and six this year." <laughs> you know, no, nobody's nobody expects Patrick Mahomes to say that. Nobody expects any quarterback to say that for any team, and uh, it's a reasonable thing for him to talk about. And again. In response to a question about what the next goal to achieve would be, it's a reasonable answer. It's not like he just tweeted 20 and 0, baby, which would which would certainly make it boastful. And I think Reed is right. I don't think he was being boastful. He's just saying, yeah, this is something we could do. I just wish they wouldn't have backed up. I know why they did. I'm sure Andy <laughs> Reid and Pat got together and said, we need sure. to have this die down because we just don't want this to be on a bulletin board this year. And Andy Reid's always really good about that. But this is a team that went 14 and two last year. One game, they were playing their backups because the season was wrapped up. The other felt like a fluke with the Raiders and Derek Carr really playing out of character in Kansas City and just winning a shootout, which we didn't even think they had in them. And the rest of the games they want. So now you have 17 games. I think it's a little bit more of a difficult schedule, especially at the beginning and that stretch after the bye with all the division games. So we'll see if they could continue to rip off these wins. If you had to pick a team in the league where you had to bet on a go undefeated, it would be the Chiefs. And so I just, I would have liked Patrick Mahomes to just, add, for one quote, get on the mic and be like, I said what I said. <laughs> I'm sorry. This time I said what I said. We're going 20. Anyway, <laughs> uh, by the way, and I want to mention this because I forgot before we started playing the quotes. If you want to listen to the full press conferences, we have them up. It is AP from the podium earlier in our feed. So go back if you really want to hear some more from Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Want to move on to the offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy, And it's been out there a little bit more so from the Chiefs GM, Brett Veach as to using Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the star running back for the Chiefs, their first rounder last year, a little bit more in the passing game this season. We saw him as a rusher a lot more last year. There were a few games where the Chiefs were working him into the passing game, but that could be an emphasis. And one of the things that I actually asked the offensive coordinator this week was, what are the coaching points for getting this running back a little bit more into that passing game? Well, the thing is, is just making sure that he has a better understanding of exactly what we're doing. When you come in as a rookie, obviously everything is brand new and every week is a new 
playbook for you in a sense. And so he's had an opportunity to get a season underneath his feet. Now, obviously he's had an opportunity to, uh, to get out here and, and, and listen and be a part of the meetings. And so everything is starting to make more sense to him. And so with him growing with our, our, the wisdom that he has uh, obtained in our system, it's going to help him to know exactly what we expect him to do when placed in those certain situations. So we count on Clyde to be Clyde. Clyde, Clyde is a, he's a tremendous kid. And on top of that, he's a hell of a football player and he's going to accept any role and accept any challenge that's, that's placed upon him. I was stunned by this answer because Eric Bieniemy is not one who I don't think will typically give you a lot when it comes to in, insight and information about the team. And I don't necessarily blame him for that. I think he wants to keep the offense focused. He wants to stay out of the headlines. But this to me was a little bit of an admittance that Clyde was just new last year. He was new to the NFL. He was picking up one of the most complicated playbooks there are out there. And now that he's had that experience and he's coming in with a little bit more experience from last year, they can work him in into more roles. I think sometimes we forget that these guys are human and this is that case for me here. I'm excited to see now Clyde in his sophomore year with a year under that Andy Reid playbook. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. And I, you know, sometimes we see receivers come in and pick it up right away. And sometimes we see receivers that don't. And I think that's just, you know, difference in people. You know, um, I remember interviewing Rich Gannon <laughs> when he first came to the Chiefs. And I asked him about uh, picking up a new playbook. And he was one of the people who said, it's not a big deal. You've seen right. a few of these playbooks. It's, you know, it's not that big a deal. But some people struggle with that. It's just something that's different between people, and uh, and there's no way to predict which player is going to be the guy that picks it up right away and which player isn't. So uh, I think it could be as simple as as that. It could also be just the way the play calling fell last year. You know, Andy Reid always talks about this. We had a plan to do this or that in a game, and it didn't play out that way, the way the game fell. So um, there's a lot of factors that could be uh, part of it here. And uh, what we all agree on is that he showed in college the ability to be a good back out of the backfield as a receiver. And uh, we haven't seen that yet. Not consistently, at least. Yeah. Worth noting yeah. here, too. And this is the other side of this, which is also a nice tease for our new Matt Stagner series that is presenting the devil's advocate side of certain Chiefs things. So. Always trying to give you both sides here. Don't forget, Clyde Edwards Alaya last year as a rookie said that the playbook was easy. So you got to keep that in mind too, mm, where yeah. he he was saying he was picking it up. So you just wonder I probably somewhere in between is the mm -hmm. truth of this thing, where right. maybe some left to be desired, maybe it was the Chiefs coaching staff not utilizing him quite enough in that passing game. All right, let's get to the offensive line coach, Andy Heck who was asked about how ready this line could be when the Chiefs are set to play week one. I think, uh, well, the challenges are to, um, as you say, gel together as a unit. Um, and for us to, to find, you know, that starting unit, those combinations of guys, uh, and then the guys, you know, that ultimately will be on our 53 and, and, and up on game day. But then more importantly, once we get that group together, that they're communicating well together, speaking the same language. Uh, and, and here's the beautiful thing about all of these guys. Uh, they love football and they're all top notch people hard workers, 
So they come in every day excited to work at their craft um, and, and come together and they like each other. So they're having fun out there. So I think uh, to expect that these guys would be able to come together and gel, uh, you know, by early September. Absolutely. That would be uh, my expectation. So Andy Heck instilling confidence. We know the left side of this line is going to be Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney. It's figuring out those other three positions. Mm. And you got to like the optimism here, right, John? Yeah. I mean, I was really impressed with Andy Heck on Thursday. I thought he answered the questions really well. Um, and as I've said before uh, in this very podcast, uh, I think the Chiefs fans and some observers uh, like to point at coaches when things aren't going well. And um, Andy Heck has gotten a lot of criticism over the years, but I think he deserves not to have any criticism. I think he's done a lot when he's been given very little to work with, and I think that tells you that he's a good coach. So it's I'm very excited to see what – um, what he can do when he's had some uh, had the front office putting some talent in his hands, which they've clearly done this year. So I'm kind of looking forward to this. Uh, I'm very yeah. excited about it. The offensive line in a lot of ways is like referees where the best NFL games are when you're not talking about the referees. Right. Same right. thing with the offensive line. Sound business too. We don't talk a lot about the offensive line except for in the prism of the Super Bowl, which were really, I think, some of the worst circumstances and a little bit unlucky with the opt-outs and the injuries. And not that you want to build in excuses, but mm -hmm. that seems to be the only complaint about Andy Heck was this offensive line and the way it looked in the Super Bowl. Like, what was he working with? And so now you, you're giving him the talent. Now, if it doesn't perform this year, I think, okay, you can maybe have a gripe. But he has, I think, earned at least a little bit of the benefit of the yeah. doubt. So that's where I, I agree with you. As we talk about what this team will look like, we're going to switch to the defensive side of the ball. Here's Steve Spagnolo and talking about what Jaron Reed means for this defense. Yeah, I tell you what, Sam, we're, we're really trying to figure that out, uh, to be quite honest with you. And it's going to take a little bit of time. But listen, I remember when he was at Alabama, I have a good friend that um, actually trained him as he got ready for the combines. So we have a mutual friend, coach I have a lot of respect for. And I've always like them as player. So I'm glad we got him. We've had him here a few days here. And I tell you, he, I texted him the other day. I just really like the way he handles himself here. Practice. He's serious about football. He knows when to lighten it up right now. In the short amount of time I've had with him, I really love the personality, the attitude and what he gives us as a football player. So you like where Reed's at when it comes to OTAs. There's been a lot of talk about what this could mean for Chris Jones and I think, in, and I'm going to play another Spags quote for you on the defensive backs here in a second. I think they're truly using this camp and what will be training camp as a laboratory to figure all that stuff out. They're just, as you heard, he's texting Jaron Reed. They're still just getting to know each other. So we're at mm -hmm. the very basis of this. John, I'll let you comment in a second. Let me go to the defensive backs. This was my question about Legereus Sneed and potentially moving him to the outside and what they're going to do at the cornerback position. Well, I tell you what, uh, I think Back in Philadelphia, uh, we had Bobby Taylor. Uh, what we did with Bobby is he played outside in the 4DB packages, and then he moved in in the 5DB. So we may go that route. A little bit of it is, is going to depend upon the, I'm going to just say the next corner that surfaces, or is there a next corner that surfaces? Um, if we need to keep him on the outside, we'll do that. 
I think until then, we'll probably work them at both and then just see where it goes. We, we really need to find out what we have in the quote unquote other corners, if that makes sense. So there's different coaching styles here and different ways of doing it. I'd mentioned where the enemy is a little bit closer to the vest before. Spags will really give you some good insight yeah. on a consistent basis. And so I'm buying that this here where they're figuring out, okay, can we kick Chris Jones to the outside? Can we afford to put Legereus Sneed on the outside in some of these nickel and dime packages? They're using this time because this is new personnel and this is the time you do it. We want the answers right away. We want to post an arrowheadpride.com. Legereus Sneed <laughs> is moving to the outside. It's time for Sneed Island. But I think we need to give them some, some time here. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And and I agree with you that that Spagnolo is one of these guys who is very open. We always get great answers from him. And if he says he doesn't know what's going to happen, he'll just tell you that. Uh, and and I appreciate that about him, and I like that about him. And I think that's what we're seeing here. You know, they've already been using Chris Jones lined up as a defensive end on like one in five snaps. I think it was 18% was the right. number that PFF came up with. And, um, you know, that's a pretty substantial amount of use out on the edge. So it's not like they're that, that it's completely unknown to them that he could play out there or that, you know, if they must have some idea if it's a big problem. The question is, do you want to push it up to 30% or 40%? And in what situations you do that? And I, I believe that Spag said that uh, that one of the possibilities is it'll be based on the opponent. And I think that's really where it's going to end up happening, is they're going to figure out where it works the best and under what circumstances it makes the most sense with Jones. And I think that his answer about um, Bobby Taylor, I think, is very likely what we'll see. We're just going to figure out a way to have Snead on the field all the time. <laughs> yeah, and to, to Spags and really, as we're trying to figure this out, Ron Kopp, our lead analyst on last week's Out of Structure, you can submit your questions each week on Twitter for the Out of Structure podcast that'll air after us on Wednesdays. He believes that the, the Chiefs will keep Jones a little bit more on the inside on these passing downs to have Jaron Reed, Frank Clark, and your edge of choosing. And that is going to be quite a pass rush, especially if you have th those base guys or you know, maybe it is the three of them and you're working with different linebackers and who knows, maybe you rush a safety at a certain point. It is going to be, I think, a pass rush to be reckoned with. And that's when you get to the second and third levels here. The pass rush and just how good they're going to be on the interior, maybe rivaling that of the conference, it's going to make it really hard on quarterbacks and it'll make it easier for those other levels of the defense where you maybe don't feel as great of about the personnel because they're a little bit young right now. Jaron Reed, I know we had posted, and I believe it was PFF or Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com calling Derek Nottie the Chiefs' most underrated player. When it's all said and done in 2021, this edition of Jaron Reed may be the most underrated move of the offseason. I, I completely agree with that. Uh, Andy's talked about it. Uh, Spags kind of implied that. But uh, Andy was was big time thinking that Jaron Reed was going to be a big thing when we when he talked to him, uh, I guess, the week before last. Speaking of underrated players, the new outside linebackers coach, Ken Flajol, talked about Anthony Hitchens at his press conference, and he had some money quotes. Well, I, I, you can't discount that enough. I mean, let me just tell you something. His ability to manage 
the defense. And again, if you sat in our meeting rooms and uh, and listened to uh, the communication that the Mike linebacker has to make to make this thing all come together and work, uh, it's a tall it's a tall chore. And Anthony is really good at it. I mean, I I always kid him. I said, you know, he'll make a bunch of checks at the line of scrimmage, try to get us in the right defense and get the defense just the way we want it. And I say, Hitch, you got to go and ask for a pay raise, all these different communications that you got going along. But again, it it doesn't uh, I don't lose sight of it as an older coach. Uh, One of the most important aspects of playing middle linebacker in this league is not only you have to have the physical ability, but you've got to have high speed Internet. And you've got to be able to diagnose things fast, quick. You've got to get us. You're the eraser. If the coordinator makes a call that maybe doesn't really fit the uh, formation of the situation, the Mike linebacker a lot of times has the ability to amend or correct a call. And that's where Hitch, in my opinion, is so valuable because he's such a sharp guy. He has a good feel for the scheme. And I think he's he can really do that. And you need that. And uh, we're lucky to have him. You know that Ken got a nice text from Brett Veach after that payroll <laughs> comment in the middle of the compliment of Anthony Hitchens. But John, you love this. So I'll let you talk about this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's underappreciated how much uh, you need a really, really smart guy uh, running the middle of that Chiefs defense. I remember when, um, after Gunther Cunningham ended his first stint as the defensive coordinator with the Chiefs, and um, uh, and Robinson was in there, and we talked about this a lot in the press box about how uh, Robinson was teaching these players to think instead of to attack, which is totally different than the way Gunther Cunningham did it. And this is the this is kind of the same thing. Spagnolo has a defense where the players need to think. They need to understand what the plan is. It's not just about going in there and and tearing up the guy in front of you the way Gunther would have taught them to do it. Right. And 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 in in a defense like that, you need a player like Kitchens. No one is going to disagree that he isn't that he's uh isn't very athletic. And uh, sometimes when you're watching him play, you think, oh, this guy isn't very good. But you have to wonder how good the Chiefs defense would be if somebody else was back there uh, calling those assignments as the middle linebacker. And I, I think when a coach like like our new outside linebackers coach makes a statement like this about how important it is, we need to pay attention to it. Uh, it may not be the right approach. But it's the approach they're taking, and that's the approach that's that's determining what they're going to do with a player like Hitchens, and then later with a player like Nick Bolton, um, whom I believe the Chiefs took because they had that pipeline with Andy Hill from Mizzou yeah. and knew from him whether he'd be capable of being a player like Hitchens down the line. And uh, I think we can't really discount the possibility that uh, they may have taken Bolton simply because they had that information from Andy Hill. Yeah. I also think with Hitchens, we've heard things like this before from Spagnolo as far as complimenting him and last year calling him the glue of the defense, but not explained in this way that right. Joel did. And Madhouse is a little bit more mild mannered when, we've had an opportunity to speak with the linebackers coach for the chiefs. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more to Hitchens than meets the eye. He's not the quickest first 
type mm-hmm. of linebacker in the world, but I, I think the Chiefs really respect him from the neck up. It's actually similar things to what they do say about Ben Neiman. Now, I, I think the athleticism is just too far um, a, a reach for Neiman to mm-hmm. feel comfortable even with maybe his football IQ uh, than it is for Hitchens. But again, remains to be seen what the Chiefs end up doing here in 2021. Those are the quotes to know. Want to reiterate and go back to from the podium, listen to these press conferences in full, get your full insight from Chiefs OTAs. We do expect another press conference opportunity to come at you on Thursday of this week. All right. When we come back on the Arrowhead Pride editor show, we'll talk about the players we are looking forward to watching on the offensive and defensive side of the football as we enter mandatory minicamp and training camp. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we're wrapping up with some players to watch as we get closer to Chiefs training camp, which we expect to begin at the end of July into August with full capacity in St. Joe. So that is exciting. Talking about some offensive players to start, John, and you can begin us here. Who is your player to watch as we get closer to Chiefs training camp? Well, I'm most interested to see what Noah Gray can do um, as a tight end in the Chiefs offense. Um, if you're going to make a criticism of the Chiefs, it's that they they don't have a good guy to back up Travis Kelsey, and they really haven't for a long time. They've had tight ends that could play different roles, um, but they've never had anybody who was very much like Kelsey in the right. way that they could use him. And that's a problem on two levels. A, if he gets hurt, and uh, B, uh, at the point where he retires, where he steps away from the game, which could be a number of years from now, of course. Yeah. But you always like to see them have a guy who can step into his shoes if necessary. And that, to me, is what we may be looking at with Gray. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see about that. Um, And I'm also interested in Clyde Edwards-Solaire at uh, this training camp. Uh, We just talked about his use as a receiver, but I'm very interested to see if he will be a more effective rusher behind this offensive line. All right. I like those picks. I'm going to give my picks now for the offensive side. I'm interested in seeing Antonio Callaway. I think we know the first five receivers on this team, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, who am I forgetting? Demarcus Robinson and Cornell Powell. Who's the sixth receiver out of like 10, right? So that sixth position and probably two or three practice squad positions are open in the receiver room. The Chiefs have said Antonio Callaway's name a number of times. And if you really look at some of the problems he's had in this league, they had to do with marijuana, which is not as big of a deal anymore with the the way the world is changing and also the CBA and, and whatnot. And I just think that this is a player that has needed an opportunity for a long time. I don't think the general manager would be getting his name out there during press conferences if they didn't believe, okay, maybe we have a dark horse here. So until we see it, though, you know, there's not a ton of film on this guy. I actually told Ron to to see what he can find. We're going to try to have a film review of him this week. But the Chiefs keep saying his name. So let's see if Callaway can really earn that sixth position. And then my honorable mention is in a wide open right side of the offensive line. What does Laurent Duvernay-Tardif look like? What does Kyle Long look like? What does mm-hmm. Lucas Niang look like? All three of these guys have one thing in common, and it's that they missed last year 
for different re- reasons. LDT had an opt-out because he chose to work in a hospital. Lucas Niang didn't feel it was safe. Kyle Long was retired for a year after his body kind of broke down. These guys all have an opportunity to earn a spot in either the right guard or the right tackle position. Niang, probably more consideration for that tackle position with Mike Remmers, LDT, and Long at right guard. Andrew Wiley will be in that mix, but these guys have been off a year, so I'm eager to see them as well. But Antonio Callaway is the most intriguing to me just because of the buzz surrounding him. We know that one of those guys will likely earn the right guard position. So just another point to watch for me. All right, let's switch to the defensive side of the football. John, who are you watching on defense? DeAndre Baker. I mean, to me, this is pretty easy. Uh, So much of what's going to happen with the Chiefs defense is going to depend on whether or not they can get production out of these former first-round picks that they've acquired, one of them being Baker, the other one being Mike Hughes. And uh, so to me, when they talked about how much they liked him in practices last year and what we saw in the games, as we referred to earlier, uh, I think this is going to be one of the big factors in what Spagnolo does on the secondary So I'm very interested to see what he'll be able to do. And then, as I've already mentioned uh, on this show recently, Tim Ward. Um, I think he's got an opportunity to make a big step forward. He's got a lot to gain. And I'm very interested to see what he can do if the Chiefs really give him some snaps. I like those picks. I think Baker was a big reason and maybe an under-talked about reason as to why the Chiefs were not as inclined to bring back Breland, who, of course, went to the Vikings. We talked about that earlier. My picks are Jaron Reed and Chris Jones for reasons we discussed in the last segment. I'm eager to see what Jaron Reed and putting him into defensive line will mean for Chris Jones. You had talked about one in five defensive snaps. He was playing on the outside anyway. I just think this allows the Chiefs and Spagnolo to play a few more games and do some stuff with Chris Jones we maybe haven't seen before with stunts and things like that. And I, I really think we talk a lot about on offense, how like a Noah Gray and a Clyde and Jarek McKinnon, for example, who is suddenly on this team and Daryl Williams and the different types of receivers, just the variety because they know each and every position, what it allows Reed to do when it comes to confusion for the defense. I think as you're putting guys into the defensive side of the football now with a Reed and Jones who can play multiple positions, you don't know, as I was saying before, if they're going to blitz the safeties the more confusion you can have for the quarterback and the offense the better it'll be for Steve Spagnuolo so that is certainly a point to watch what'll be great too is the defensive line to me with the Chiefs is good I know what PFF said putting them in the bottom half of the league shout out to Tom Childs but the defensive line is good this year and the Chiefs need it to be good because they really need to find out who is going to be on the right side of their offensive line so those one-on-ones I've said it before on this show are going to be a point to watch at training camp each mm-hmm. and every yeah. day this year. And then my honorable mention on the defensive side of the football goes to Willie Gay Jr. Damian Wilson is no longer on this football team. Willie Gay in his second year off a torn meniscus Super Bowl week is going to have to step up. So I'm eager to see what he looks like in general and off of that injury. You know, there there is a, a certain extent of let's see how he looks because the Chiefs really need him. I, I continue to say and we keep saying the same thing, but I don't know how much we're, we're talking about it, but the linebacker behind Anthony Hitchens is probably the team's thinnest position. When you consider, we don't really know what to expect in year one from Bolton. And so gay, especially with Wilson now on the Jacksonville Jaguars is really, really going to have to step up. So he's my honorable mention 
uh, on the defensive side of the football. But hey, that's the show. We talked about the news, talked about the quotes to know. We got more quotes coming on Thursday, and we made our picks for the players we're watching as we enter mandatory minicamp and training camp. Stay tuned on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We have a new, I'm going to tease it right now for those that listen today. We have a new thing coming tomorrow morning. So stay tuned. Watch your feeds. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to watch your feeds. Uh, We will have later in the day as well, the next AP Out of Structure with Matt Stagner and Ron Kopp. That'll be coming at you 11 a.m. noon-ish. Uh, answering your questions and doing their bubble watch and the great things that Matt and Ron do. We'll have another <laughs> from the podium on Thursday show and BK on Friday. Our friends across the pond still not going to do the impression. I'm done with the impression of the, the grits. <laughs> did not do a good job with that. Uh, they'll be coming at you on Saturday. So plenty of reason to listen to our Arrowhead Pride podcast network. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editors Show.